Hey, what's up, y'all, man? It's Jay Math, host of the World Peace Podcast, the fourth generation angry black man, and I'm here to tell y'all about Anchor. If you haven't heard, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. The creation tool allows you to record, edit, and make your own podcast from your phone, computer, whatever. And Anchor will put out your podcast and distribute it for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and other platforms where you can hear podcasts. You can make money from the podcast with no minimum listening shit, and you can get people to subscribe to it. It's everything you need to make in a podcast, so I need you to download that free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get it started. Peace. Okay, so we're here, man. This is um, the World Peace Podcast, episode 42. Um, wow. I have a very special, very informative episode this week. Um, obviously, it's hosted by the same as always, J-Mad. Um, this week, I have the CEO of Powerhouse Creative. Um, she's also a cultural strategist for the Atlanta Beltline, as well as um, Remerge Creative Community. Miss Ash Nash is on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm I'm grateful for the uh, opportunity to be on this podcast. Well, I appreciate you for joining us. So, um, can, I just want to start, like, and get straight to it. What is Powerhouse Creative for the people who don't know? Powerhouse Creative, um, so I am a creative consultant and arts and underserved community advocate. And what is a creative consultant? Um, so basically, I've worked with many um, street artists and um, graphic designers, illustrators, photographers over the years. And um, there's a lot of insight when it comes to working with the individual um, creatives versus like the big companies, the consulting companies. There's a different structure, there's different perspectives. Um, and so I pretty much put in place the structures that, um, that serve both parties. So that's the artists themselves Mm -hmm. and the brands and corporations that want to hire them. How did the, so basically the reason I reached out to you, I was, uh, one of my friends had put together a protest downtown on Peachtree, um, for defunding the police. So I was down there. I'm supporting him, and I'm walking down Peachtree on Juneteenth, and I see a bunch of artists painting um, this building, and there's a bunch of artwork on this building. I'm walking around, and of course I see the logo, and I got in touch. But as I did the research, um, this building is just more than like just any regular just building in Atlanta, correct? Oh yeah. So it um, it was at the Flatiron Building, um, located downtown. Uh, it's Atlanta's oldest standing skyscraper. Okay. And from 1915 to 1930, that building, um, the Klan actually had an office uh, that they operated out of that building. So symbolically, um, for that moment and for our celebratory holiday, um, one of which is one of the only ones I feel that we should truly be celebrating. Mm-hmm. Because uh, most American holidays are embedded in some type of terror to minorities, especially. Um, symbolically, that was very important for us to do what we did on that building. Was it the, 
from the research it was the first KKK office? I'm sorry. Was it the first former KKK office from what I heard? Like, you know, that part I don't know. I doubt it because 1915, like, I'm pretty sure they they had offices <laughs> well before then. Um, but no, I, I doubt that it was the first, but I just know that it was one of um, the offices that they, you know, operated out of. So it has a lot of historical meaning. Yeah, that was, I mean, it, it touched me when I just, um, just seeing it. And I didn't even grasp the whole, this is all before knowing what I know now, but just seeing black artists out there painting. Um, There's one image of just a, a black woman's face, and it was, you know, it's just great, like, to see things like that in this kind of time. Um, what? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Um, I think it's important because... While I appreciate what the message of Black Lives Matter has, you know, the energy that it's compelled across all states, even internationally, has brought folks together. We live in such a just-add-water society that I don't feel like it's really challenging people to think. Um, I work with a lot of conceptual artists and am a conceptual thinker myself, so the purpose of this installation was to challenge people to think um, from a different perspective because, I mean, it's even been said with Black Lives Matter, there's an organization, um, well, I guess it was some white folks that had put out Black Lives Matter stuff, and they collected over $3.4 million. They, they got busted because they was collecting so much money. Right. And come to find out, it was ran by white folks, mm-hmm. and they didn't even really give any of it to black folks. So this is the thing. If we're not challenging, you know, everyone's looking for this leader. Like, oh, follow this movement. Follow that mm-hmm. Follow whatever speaks to you. You don't have to be out in the streets. You don't have to, you know, become a full-on politician you could just change your daily habits by just purchasing a coffee from a black owned business <laughs> you don't have to do all the extra stuff yet do what speaks to you and works for you don't look for it like we are all leaders I think, um, um, I think that's like a conversation I've been having recently even just on the podcast and that's one thing that's another reason why I was like I'm, I'm glad and I really do appreciate you doing it doing the interview because like um like you said, like, I'm not a politician, but I do want to use this platform in a way to, you know, play my role, too, like, respond responsibly. And I feel like you, with the Juneteenth takeover, did that so well, like, with the paintings on that building. And once I knew the full story of it, it was just, it is a, a very powerful message, once you know the full, the full context. Yeah, so with this project, we address multiple things. Um, one... There were 19 artists on that building. Every single artist was compensated um, to lend us their imagery and to come out and and put that imagery up. Um, I sourced nothing but black-owned businesses for uh, to be able to, you know, West End Print Shop. You know, we did a lot of wheat pasting, so that's a whole lot of paper from West End Print Shop. Um, we sourced um, Bird's Eye View, Eugene Bird, for our, our shirts. Okay. Um, we sourced Local Green to feed the artists for the day. Okay. So, wow. um, and uh, another thing is, 
the Center for Civic Innovation and C4 Nonprofit reached out to me, um, I think around June 6th. And they were like, look, we're white. It's a, we're white-led organizations. Mm-hmm. We want to be a part of the movement, but we don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people know my stance on it is why are we paying and commissioning white-led artists or organizations to put up black imagery <laughs> and stories? Right. Right. That, that doesn't work for me at uh, all. Yeah. Um, so what I need is your resources um, so that I can get it to the people who actually deserve it and the actual actual people who are qualified to share our stories. Um, So, yeah, they reached out and um, basically handed me all of their downtown properties that were boarded up and they handed me, uh, they were like, here's our properties, here's our resources, and here we'll fundraise. So we raised over $10,000 to pull the project off. And we did it in 13 days. And that started because this, um, they didn't feel comfortable, but they wanted to help, like, with the movement? Yeah, and that's, and that's, that's the thing I respect. Like, if you're white um, and you just putting up Black Lives Matter, like, that don't do nothing for my people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, we appreciate the, the nod, but that don't do nothing for my people. I need you. I want to I wanna break your systems. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna disrupt your operations. I want to intercept um the things that our oppressed people haven't been able to get mm-hmm. you know so it's like i need to get the oxygen from there so i can get it to my people just so they can thrive for a little bit longer because it's not our fault I like that um, analogy too. Yeah. yeah so you know white a lot of white folks have been challenged to be a little bit more uncomfortable but nowadays and I'm okay with like oh you're uncomfortable now that's, that's like try true. being uncomfortable try being uncomfortable your whole life try being Everybody uncomfortable during a global right. yeah try being uncomfortable during a global pandemic mm-hmm. and hundreds of thousands of people are dying but then you are instructed by your government leaders to put on a mask but as a black person that can cause you to lose your life as well so, you know, we had an incident here where some black men went to a Walmart and were escorted out for wearing a mask. Like, that's that's a different type of discomfort. So I have no problem with white people being uncomfortable right now. But I respect those who say, I thought I was doing the right thing or we thought our organization was doing the right thing. Um, but we're way off and we don't really know how to do this. It's kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't. And that's where us as black people have to say, all right, how much are we willing to work with them? Yeah, that conversation has to be had, though. Yeah, I'm perfectly comfortable. Like, I don't have no... I, what, what else do we have to lose? We don't have anything to lose. I just think that it's a pride situation with, with certain people who can't ask for some kind of help or ask for some kind of guidance. Yeah, and and that it's and that's the thing. It's just like I mean, it's it's okay to have those conversations. Like people have got to be more vulnerable. People have got to create safe spaces for people to um, to to ask questions. Like we're not gonna get nowhere just 
I always say, like, you can only sweep us so much shit under the rug before the corner starts with. At some point, you're going to have to start digging up under there so you can get it on even ground. So if we're not having those conversations or, um, you know, if we're just, it's, it amazes me that uh, the almost the whole world has been saying, like, this one, this one word, or, I mean, this one kind of slogan, which, again, has brought us all together, followed by, I can't breathe. Yes, we can breathe. What are you talking about? Like, black folks, we are... On a spiritual level, we are powerful yeah. people. Are you into so that the mantra, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Are you into that narrative of just putting out that, like, people, I see people no. saying, stop saying I can't breathe because you're putting out, like, a certain kind of energy well, out well, there? Well, see, this is the thing. I mean, black people, we have got to understand who we are hmm. as creators of, I mean, we're literally, the, we're literally the 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 blueprint for all of for all of humanity and that's and so if we are all in crowds chanting that we can't breathe Mm -hmm. we are going to call it to us Mm -hmm. so there is the thing is we can breathe that's why we have to do the work for those who actually can't breathe or that's why we have to vote for those who have lost their lives for us to be able to vote or the people who want to vote but got locked or you know unjustly locked up and right. their vote could help. Right. So yeah, you absolutely. can be. Yeah, yeah. So y'all tripping. Yeah. Like you know, this is not. This is that's. Let them white folks deal with that narrative. <laughs> let them figure that out. We need to know who we are. We need to stand firm in that. I agree. I wanna. Um, why don't you, I had people? I've been. I, I was very excited about this interview. So I had people like ask me questions like for you, and um, mm-hmm. people just wanted to know like kind of how you even. Got started with Powerhouse Creative. Like, so how did this even start? Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually started a brand called Treehouse ATL, and that's Tree H A U S uh, ATL. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to. I have a, a fascination with the underdog. Like, I just love seeing the underdog see themselves and win. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I started to interview artists, chefs, and musicians who I felt didn't get the right, um, you know, they didn't have some PR or they needed just more community support and things like that. And I had a little bit of PR background too. So I didn't like the PR world because like they, a good portion of it, like in certain, the, the world that I was entered into, um, made a living off of like shaming people or, right. you know it's like I don't want to do this for a living <laughs> yeah I have, I have um, a hard time telling not really I just try to tell people that that's not what this is like I try to always tell people that yeah and, and I'm just big on karma like I don't I don't want to be making a living off of like right. we're all human and we all trying to everyone's trying to figure it out even at what's um, known as the higher levels like mm-hmm. everyone's trying to figure it out um, yeah, but anyways, I, I uh, wanted to feature and just shine a light on artists, chefs, and musicians in Atlanta community who was really putting in the work. I like to look for the folks that's putting in the work and no one's paying them no attention. Or they are putting in the work and people are paying them attention, but they're not understanding the context and the level of what their mission is. So... Uh, I think my first year in, it went really well. We, uh, it was actually a tea brand. So I would sit with them and have 
with like T and just interview them and plug their stuff for like a week. Yeah. Um, and then move on to the next one mm-hmm. as a series. And then I would kind of like sell the T thing, but I, I wasn't good with, um, I wasn't good with like the units <laughs> and things you. like that. Yeah, so yeah. it was just like, eh. but it took off. Mm-hmm. And in the first year, I got like best new thing about Atlanta and best public art show from Creative Loafing. Oh, cool. And then had a huge one year anniversary art show at Closet off of um, right next to City of Beats. Okay. And um, had a bunch of artists in there just for the celebratory, you know, one year anniversary show. And just before then, I would say probably like about a month before then, I had met Fabian Williams. And he was like, you know, I like the way you're running your brand. You know, I need some help. I want to, you know, I need an assistant. And I was like, eh, I'm still kind of building my rocket ship. But, you know, I like, we all we got. So I'm real village mindset. So like, I have to help a little bit. And started working with him. And then it just turned, I couldn't manage the two. Mm-hmm. Manage the artist and the brand. And so it was easier to kind of help with him because I just came in and just started re-engineering stuff. Like, oh, why are you doing this? Let's start doing this. Nice. You know, and um, so we took off in that direction and I had to stop with Trios ATL. But I still that I wanted to have my own company in that sense. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I was like, I'm not going to work for you. I'll work with you. There you go. Um, so Trios ATL then turned into Powerhouse, uh, Powerhouse Creative. In which a lot of those stuff I was just managing and making sure that um, he was looked out for and the street work, you know, that he was doing was looked out for um, and that the brands that came to him, that there was some structure between the two. So it wasn't, I wasn't 100% for him, I wasn't 100% for the brands, you know, it was for the better good of the project. Um, And then what really was the catalyst was when his mural in the West End, his Colin Kaepernick mural and Muhammad Ali mural got demolished um, just around Super Bowl. And long story short, the community got upset because it was a staple in the community. And they challenged us like, y'all got to do something. And he was so beside himself that I knew he was going to put up one big mural. And I was like, no, that's not, we're going to make some noise. Like, it was almost like an attack, a creative attack on creatives and an attack on underserved communities. Right. Okay. And I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't, I mean, there's a lot of speculation and there's still just a lot of unknowns about who did that and why did that, yeah. you know, why that happened. But uh, we ended up doing a thing called Capra Bowl and it went international and Colin Kaepernick got behind it you know, flew us out to Baltimore to be part of Know Your Rights Camp. And then ever since then, I've just been, you know, I organized conceptually and organized a good portion of Capital. Um, And then it just turned into, like, that was my sweet spot. Like, no, like, we got to protect the village. And my village is creatives in the underserved neighborhoods. Um, So, yeah, you know, when I, I organized for Collins NFL tryout when he came down here um we're all like family now so whenever calling and know your rights camp needs something um they contact me for it and um well i mean when it comes to atlanta um they contact me and i'm sure there's a handful of other people um yeah it's just purposeful it's just leveraging the playing field like you know 
it's leveraging the playing field and um, just making sure we're all able to, 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 you know, to have a fair shot. You are, Miss Nat, first, again, uh, thank you for uh, this, because this is exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> and okay. Um, okay. you are an inspiration, I feel like, for a lot of people. Uh, and um, I, I hope you keep doing exactly what you're doing with this, because you're doing a lot of work right here. And it's, it's great that I'm right here in the city and I can, like, physically see everything that's going on. So, um, yeah, it's important. That, and that's that's what this is all about, you know. Even is for us to see ourselves in in grand ways that we aren't normally used to seeing ourselves. Like black folks cannot afford to play small at right. all. I like that. Um, we literally can't afford it for our lives. Like, you know, I'm a mother. I have 19 and 15 year old daughters. I'm the eldest living woman in my bloodline. Mm -hmm. I have a legacy to leave. Mm -hmm. So. For me, it wasn't just, um, I couldn't work for just any kind of corporate company because their mission it doesn't really speak fully to my mission. Right. And it was just like, no, I'm just going to, you know, I, I was just out here. Yeah, just bet on myself. And if anything, like, I can't, I can't really tell my daughters that, oh, you can go to college and be anything you want to be, especially with the way the economy is going. I have to show them, like, okay, that this is what that's definitely what you should do. But if that falls through, you need to know how to seamlessly run another operation. Mm -hmm. So I've always been like a dual, kind of curious, creative person. So I've always had two completely different ends of the spectrum operations running at the same time because that's what keeps me stimulated and I have to if I'm not enjoying the work that I'm doing I'm not going to do a good job so that's why it's not really I can't really work for just one type of company that you know kind of a free spirit in that aspect what is um, um, what's down the pipeline for powerhouse creative there's a lot going on um I am an independent contractor and the first arts and culture creative strategist for the Atlanta Beltline. You know, Atlanta Beltline is a, one of the largest public art platforms in the country, a 22-mile public art platform. Um, so, you know, I'm working with them. I am a board member of Mint Gallery, who is now located in the West End which is, you know, they're primarily a white-led organization, but, um, you know, I told them, like, y'all have landed in a historic black community, and so y'all don't end up like the rest of the gentrifiers. I'm going to need y'all to stay tapped into the community. And they were completely on board. Like, I mean... You're, you're we, the we, person that we need sitting um, in a lot of boardrooms right now. I feel like there's like a lot more. I mean, I think it's all of us. Yeah, no, yeah, I think it's all of us. It's just my, it's, it's not just. Seats. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, this is what black folks have to do, though. Black folks have to take accountability. Mm -hmm. We have to take accountability, and we have to really put in more work. Um, there's so many resources out there. Like, I feel like our, our ancestors had far less resources 
but had far more to show for it. And now we have far more resources, and everyone's like, I don't know what to do. Like, what you mean? The resource is right next to you. You just gotta, you just gotta give a damn. Mm-hmm. And that's what separates us all. Like, if you don't give a damn, then what you then you know, it's either hunt or be hunted. So, do you give a damn about your? What's your legacy? What's your legacy to your family? Um, and also financial literacy. Yeah. Like, that's a huge issue in the black community. So you could be going out and doing all this work for your brand and your company or whatever, your events and things like that. But if you don't have the financial literacy to have real ownership, then you're not going to, you just staying on this hamster wheel. Like I always talk about retirement. What are you doing today that speaks to your retirement? How many hours a week do you want to work? How many years do you want to do this work? What type of life do you want to live? Like stop thinking that the one thing that that we are fortunate to have is that we do live in america where we don't have those type of restraints you know so we we have got to take accountability for the things that we actually care about um we can't just be like oh so and so you know this this politician didn't do that what do you mean these politicians work for us If, yeah, I, if you're a politician you. and I'm voting for you, mm-hmm. you work for me now. But that's you the, work for us. You work for our community. It's a misconception in the community, though, I think, too. But we have, to, we have to show up. We have to show up to MPU meetings. You know, Maynard Jackson put in the MPU systems here. So you can find out about what's going on in your communities. We got to care. We got, and we can't be talking about gentrification stuff if we not showing up. What you yeah. expect? If you yep. go to the store and you see something on clearance, you're going right. to get what's on clearance. Yeah. You're going to get the deal. Yeah. So if we're not showing up, then, like, what you expect? Can you really be mad at them? Uh, you're right. You're 100% right. Miss Ash Nash, um, I definitely appreciate you for joining me for this podcast. It was, like I said, exactly what I thought it would be, which is great. Um, uh, can you give out some of like your Instagram information so people can get in touch with you and your powerhouse collective? I mean, creative, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on social media, it's powerhouse creative, and that's at p o w e r h a u s c r e a t i v e powerhouse creative. On um, the website is. Uh, www.powerhousecreativeatl.com um, email powerhousecreativeatl at gmail.com we're overhauling some things too so okay. keep an eye out for that um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well as Ash Nash um, yeah so we got a ton of initiatives going a lot of overhauling in the community um and just putting the unapologetic black messages out there and willing to work with anyone who knows, you know, who's ready to, like, eat some of this humble pie yep. and say, how do we move forward together? Like, you know, the goal is the least effort, the biggest impact, uh, most mutually beneficial for everyone involved. Yeah, how can we not have thought? <laughs> yeah. That sounds, sounds great. Yeah. Uh, um, thank you again. I appreciate it. This has been the World Peace Podcast. Um, that's it. That's all. One loser draw. I'll see y'all next time. <laughs>